Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal. Develop high-quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. When it comes down to it, what are we at our core? We are North American Waterfowlers. Hello, my name is Elliot, and you are listening to another episode of the North American Waterfowler Podcast. Thank you guys so much for tuning in today. I've got a couple of things I really, really dying to talk about. So this episode is going to be an update with a couple things that I'm really excited about. Uh, question of the week, and then episode number nine of Woody's Top 5. So let's kick it off with the thing that I'm most excited about to talk about. I went out scouting today. And if you watch my content at all, or if you watch my content, you will see uh, scouting videos. And scouting for me has to look a little bit different than scouting for, as you might think of what scouting is. Because I still have a Monday through Friday job. So I can't scout during the week. I can do scouting during teal season, but once you get that time change flip, it's dark by the time I'm getting home. There's just absolutely no way that I can scout during the week. So my scouting has to look different. So my scouting is mainly off season. Now, if I get a Thanksgiving break, Christmas break, those types of things, I can go out and do your traditional scouting where I'm actually trying to find birds. But I'm not in the position where I, I can do that. My ultimate goal is to be able to hunt the migration exactly the way I want to. And I dream about it all the time. It's my aspiration. It's my goal that I want to just be able to hunt. I want to go where I want to go. I want to hunt when I want to hunt. I want to hunt fronts. <laughs> But a lot of us have a Monday through Friday, nine to five job. And so unfortunately, guys like us have to just go. We got to just go. We've got our, our Saturdays, sometimes our Sundays, Veterans Day, Martin Luther King Jr. Day, Thanksgiving, anytime off Christmas. But other than that, we are greatly handicapped when it comes to, to being able to scout. And I watch how other people that have an abundance of time scout, 
And their mission and their goal is to find the birds, pattern the birds, see what the birds are doing. But I don't have that luxury. And if if you're like me and you have that Monday through Friday job, you don't have that luxury either. And what that means is a lot of times we are blind scout. We are blind hunting. You just got to go. You got to go. So if you're in that position, the best thing that you can do for yourself is to learn your area like the back of your hand. Find a complex and become an expert on that complex. Find every hole there is to find. Learn how the vegetation cycles under what conditions. Get out there in the off season and know the vegetation. There are some places that are easy to scout and there are some places that are hard to scout. The hard to scout places, you need to be watching those throughout the off season. So you know exactly what's growing up there. Is there more soil vegetation in there during the season, paying close attention to how the ducks work under different conditions there. Learn the complex, know the complex and constantly be looking for, for new grounds to learn and, and to find. And so today I went on really my first major off season scouting trip. Normally I would have already been out two or three times, but this summer has been ridiculously crazy. I had my trip down to Louisiana for about eight days to go on a fishing trip with Kenny Bagno and Tyler and Jake and Elijah got back, had four or five days and then off to Flatlander kennels, which I want to mention, we have just now dropped the first video of the Flatlander kennels YouTube channel. I have helped Chris Jobman create that. I have been, I've made a multitude of videos and I'm, I'm editing them and I'm dropping them on the channel to help promote Chris and what he's doing because he is a partner of mine on my secondary podcast, the Chris job or the Flatlander kennels podcast with Chris Jobman. So now we've, We've started up a YouTube channel and that, and that just dropped. And I'm really, really excited with how the first video turned out. So go check that out. If you're a dog guy, you want to be checking out this content. You want to be listening to the podcast. You want to be checking out the YouTube channel. I've got nine videos done right now. And I'm going to be putting out one a week on Mondays uh, for the next nine weeks. I'll, I've got plenty of content to make more. So go and check that out. If you're dog people, you don't want to miss it because Chris Jobman, is unbelievable dog trainer. Absolutely unbelievable dog trainer. And you want to see what he's doing because he's a master at his craft, but yet his knowledge and the way he does it is not out for the public. And hopefully we can change that. Hopefully we can change that because people need to see what he's doing. So anyway, I went out to Flatlander Kennels for, man, I think it was eight days and was out there training Georgie, getting content, came back, had about five, six days back. And then we went back out to Flatlander Kennels to record some more. And Georgie was in the HRC hunt test out there, which I'm going to be talking about that. And that's the second thing I'd like to talk about. <laughs> Came back, went to Golden Boy's wedding, which if you didn't know, Golden Boy is now married. There's a gold net. Went to Golden Boy's wedding. It's just this summer has been crazy packed. I have, I've only had one weekend since the beginning of January. I've put over 4,000 miles on my truck since January 1. And I've only had one free weekend out of the whole summer has been nuts. So I haven't had a chance to do a lot of scouting at all. So this was the first 
real scouting trip that I went on. And in this part of the state, we are actually getting really good rainfall. And so the lakes are rising here. And so as my preparation for scouting goes, I'm always watching the lake levels because the lake levels really, really matter if you're hunting reservoirs. Unless you're hunting marshes that they pump. The marshes that they pump are just sitting there dry right now and they're they have they're growing them and then they will flood them as they go. But there's a lot of places that you can hunt reservoir wise in a lot of the reservoirs in Kansas that aren't your pre-built we're going to flood them. We're growing up millet in them and we're going to flood them in September slowly. It's not those type of marshes. They're lake level dependent marshes or not even always marshes, sloughs, holes. And there's quite a few of them all throughout the state and probably where you live too. And so the lake has come up significantly. And I was looking through my notes because every time I go scouting, I, I take detailed notes so that um, during season, if the lakes are at whatever level they're at, I can go back to my notes. And I can say, okay, under this lake condition, here's where the water is in all of these different places. And I'll just know that. And so we did that today. I took fumbles out and um, we went, took the boat and we went out scouting some teal spots first. And I was really, really shocked. This was a, another learning moment for me because the lake has actually been ideally what I'm looking for in reservoirs is I want them to be about pool level all off season or even a little bit low. You, I want those lakes to be low because if the lakes are low, then the vegetation is going to grow up. And then hopefully in August, September, October, you get good rains. And now all that vegetation, the lake level rises. And as it rises, it floods the vegetation smartweed, barnyard grass, typically um, almost exclusively smartweed, but barnyard grass too. And I mean, all sorts of other plants too that insects will get in. So that is the ideal scenario. And if you get a time in which you have really low water all spring, all summer, but it's been moist enough the year before for the moist soil vegetation to grow, then it rains, it comes up, and it just goes, floods into that. But at, at the at the lakes that I've been watching, the water's been high since early June, early June. And so I've been thinking, man, there's just not going to be moist soil vegetation like we need it because all through June, all through July, we're at hunting lake levels. There's a certain level that I like. There's a range of reservoir elevation water level elevation that i that i want to want it to be it's between this is the low point and when it gets beyond the low point i'm basically screwed on a lot of the places so it's between the low mark point and then absolute flooding which can be terrible too if it goes on the top end of that flood it can be terrible too and so we got about another half foot and I'm like, I always want to, even if I, if I have in my notes a certain elevation, a lake elevation, I want to double, triple check that because you can have flood events come in where silt is deposited and things don't flood. So it, it can ever change. So you want to get, 
you want to constantly check your notes, constantly maybe making new notes, update them, confirm what you had in your previous notes. And all of this ties into in during season when the when the level goes to a certain point, you will know exactly where the water is and you can go. You can just go hunt on Saturday with a lot more confidence because you're not having to learn it. Like on a Wednesday, if you have a big rain and the lake jumps up a foot and a half, you want to then be able to go back to your notes and say, okay, at this lake elevation, here's where the water is all at. And so when I get lake elevation jumps, I typically go out. Number one, it's fun. It's just fun to be out in your spot and daydreaming about ducks and the ghosts of all your hunts past are floating around when you're in those spots, which is fun and fantastic. So we got a bump in, we got a bump of about half, not even half a foot, five tenths of a, of a foot, I'd say is, is the bump and in, in that we got. And so I wanted to go out and just see, cause I hadn't, I had made one other trip in early June to kind of see how things were. So I did not anticipate there to be a lot of more soil vegetation because we were already well above the pool level. And so I thought, well, nothing's really going to grow out here. And when I get out there, I just didn't expect to see more soil. But what I found was just loads and loads and loads of smartweed, more soil. And so I need to talk to some of my um, biologist friends because I just, this didn't match what I had in my mind. And what I had in my mind is there wouldn't be any moist soil in these places because there's already been water in there since the beginning of June. I didn't think that it could grow out of water. So I'm just confused as to, I'm a little confused by what I saw quite honestly today. So I need, I need to check and learn more, but it was, it was a learning moment. And so I took my dad out there and just more soil everywhere. And we went into the, to um, the teal areas first, just thrilled with how it looked smart weed everywhere. My dad ran there just hanging out and all of a sudden thunder starts hitting, starts erupting and it becomes a mad race to the boat ramp because we had some other things we wanted to scout, but it was going to hit hard. So we were about five minutes too late. We got drenched and um, ended up sitting in the boat or sitting in the truck waiting for the rain to pass, which, which it did pass. And we had a second place that we wanted to hunt. And the second place where we wanted or where we wanted to look at um, on my list of priority, this area is always kind of in my mind. I maybe hunt it two or three times in a year. Some years I don't hunt it at all. I've never had a year where I'm just like, in this place all the time. Like, like some years just are different because there'll be a certain place. It just gets hot and you just find yourself going back to the same place a lot. In fact, two years ago, I had that where I'd hunted this place like four or five times in a row. And my videos were like the same place over and over again. And I'm like, I gotta go somewhere different, but I was just doing so well there. So this place, sometimes I just don't even go there in a year. Sometimes it's more, but I wanted to just get back in and look I have less notes about this area of this lake than other areas. In fact, I have no notes about it. So I really, um, if I'm going to hunt this place, I normally find a way to scout it before just going in blind. I, I, I just don't, I, I can't remember a time I blind hunted this place. So I wanted to start getting some more information, some more data. 
about this area of this particular lake. Rain stopped. Fumbles and I went in there. And, oh, my gosh, the smartweed was ridiculous. It was everywhere. Everywhere. We checked spot A. Way more smartweed than I expected. Spot B. Way more smartweed than I expected. Spot C. And all these can be accessed by the boat. And actually, I put a reel. If you follow me on Instagram, I put a reel up of some shots of all this smart weed, um, freelance duck hunting on Instagram. And so it's a reel. If you check my account, you can see it um, just real quick photos of it. And so, man, we were having the time of our life. I'm throwing retrieves for Georgie. I'm doing blinds for, her. we're just having the time of our life. And, and um, if you are, if you really watch my videos and you can remember the hunt, I called the full, full immersion. That was from this area. We went through that same area, checked it out. There's, one place that I'm like, okay, we're about ready to go. I want to check this one spot. I've only even looked at this place one other time in my life. When I looked at it, it was just trees, muddy water. And, you know, some spots when you look at there, you're just like, oh yeah. And then some spots you're like, I don't know. Are ducks going to come in here? I, I don't know. We all like to actually see it happen before we are feel confident that it's actually going to happen. And so I had put my eyes on this spot one time in my life. And I'm like, I know that's there. I'm just going to go look at it. So we pulled up the boat. I had to hop out of the boat, make a little jaunt. I walked into this place. There was just smart weed everywhere. This is about a 250 yard by 150 yard pool. Trees out in it. And it is just loaded with smartweed, just loaded. And the, the best kind of smartweed, the annual, which is the most seed bearing. And, and it hadn't even started to seed out. I've actually quite a bit of the smartweed I've seen today was seeding out. Um, and I'd only looked at it one time and I'm like, okay, now be careful. It's late July. You're talking water about just below your knee from your ankle to your knee. A lot of times I've had this happen before where I go into a place, even in August and I'm all excited because it's got water and it's got all this vegetation. And, and then the evaporation of August and September hits and it just never materializes. So I'm like, all right, be, be tempered here. Don't just get overly excited. So I'm sending like Jake and golden boy, like Marco's all excited about it. And I find sections of this place that's like we waist deep. And I just keep exploring it and exploring it. And it is just beyond loaded with smartweed. And there's open holes and there's like trees out in the middle of it to hide in. It's just absolutely perfect. Absolutely perfect. I've never hunted this hole. I've only seen it one time in my life. So I'm just like on this emotional high of like finding a new place that looks so incredible. But that entire area, that entire area, which is a pretty big area is so full of duck food compared to the last five years. It is so full of duck food. It's going to hold ducks. It's absolutely going to hold ducks. And the cool thing about this hole, it's not lake level dependent. Where a lot of these other places I was looking at, they're lake level dependent. So if the lake drops, like last year, the lake was looking great. They dump a bunch of water out because the Mississippi was so low and it just 
it made it screwed us for the whole season, quite honestly. It screwed us for the whole season. But this place is not lake level dependent. So it's I can't imagine this place not holding water the whole season. I mean, it's waste some of there's a hole in there that's waist deep right now. Evaporation's not going to take out that much water. It's just absolutely not going to take out that much water. So, and my dad just had the time. And this, my dad is 80 now. He's struggling to get around. This is a place he can hunt. All these places that we looked at today, he can hunt. Which last year, he just couldn't hunt because the places that we were hunting last year, he just couldn't get into because the season just dictated that we hunt these certain pools and, and we just couldn't, he just couldn't. But these places, these pools, he can actively hunt. And so I am hoping to make this area just like a focal point of my hunting this year. And, I, and it was just such a fantastic day. And my dad walked into this pool. It's easy walk and firm bottom, but it just, I had to find a pool that big that I'd only looked at one time in my life. That's relatively difficult to get into. And the whole area full of duck food, it's going to hold ducks. It's going to hold ducks. So I feel fully confident is during like if we get a push of birds or something, I feel absolutely confident to hunt this whole area blind. Because I know what vegetation is growing up in there. I know what water levels we need. And for that one hole, we don't need any water levels. I just know what's there. Now, I want to get my eyes on this whole this place one more time before before season. But the point is, learn your area. Learn everything about your area. Get out and get in it as much as you can. Restudy the maps. I can't even begin to tell you how many hours since 2007. And then it wasn't even on X. It was just Google Earth. And it was the Google Earth that you could roll back the satellite image. So, so you could see it every couple of years. They'd have a new satellite image. So you could see, I've just studied and studied and studied and studied this area. And today I found a place I've never hunted. And then when I got home, I found two other places on Onyx that I've never even looked at, that I, that I didn't even know were there. And it's just incredible that you just overlook things. You just overlook things. So non-traditional scouting, get to know your area. You should feel that you know the area better than anyone else on the planet. That should be your feeling. Whether it's true or not, doesn't matter. That's how you should feel. You should have your feet on the ground all the time. You should be learning vegetation. You should be learning water levels. And that will, if you're a weekend hunter, I am telling you, that is going to increase your success a great, great deal. So it was quite the day. It was just an exhilarating day. Spend that time with my dad and Georgie. Find a new spot. Find two other spots I still need to go look at that I haven't even seen yet. Seen all the duckweed. And it was cool out after the rain. It felt like fall. It was a spectacular day. So moving on to the, to the second thing before we get into um, comment of the week and bring bring Woody on. Uh, Georgie is one HRC finished pass away from being a hunting retriever champion. And I am just so thrilled with this little dog from Flatlander Kennels. It has been an absolute joy and honor to... <laughs> 
train her. Um, we went to, so our second trip to Flatliner Kennels, which is Bayard, Nebraska, clear out there by Wyoming. I got into uh, a HRC hunt test in Wyoming, Boomtown. So HRC, if, if you're not, if you're not sure if there's two divisions, HRC, AKC, HRC, you have started season finished. Once you get your finished title, then you qualify to um, run in the grand, which happens twice a year, one in the spring, one in the fall. And that's like the Super Bowl of hunt tests for water dogs. And, and once we move on, we'll probably move into AKC next, next season. But, um, she got her. A season passed. We moved to started passed. Then last last summer we moved into seasoned. She went four for four, got her season title. This summer we moved into finished, and she was one for one. And we went out there to Boomtown, and she went two for two. She has yet to fail any of these hunt tests, and I've yet to have to handle her on a mark. I mean, she is just a spectacular little dog. Um, more her broody, breeding than me and spending all that time at Flatliner Kennels. I had Chris Jobman standing right behind my back while I'm working Georgie, like 10 days total in the two trips, telling me exactly what I should be doing, coaching me. It's been a, an unbelievable experience being around him so much and seeing what he does and seeing how well he reads dogs. It's just been, it's just been unbelievable. It's been, so I've got, I, I made videos from both of those hunts and we got to use Chris's drone and i'm so happy how the videos turned out because we got permission during the hunt test to film them with the drone right over the the tests and i'm so pleased with how those videos turned out and those are going to be coming out in a week or so they're going to i'm going to start releasing my videos here real soon in fact by the time you're listening to this i probably have i might even already released them so go check freelance duck hunting um because both of those hunt tests are on there she passed them both so this week we've got a hunt test in south dakota Got Saturday and Sunday. Georgie has to pass one of those two days, and she, her official United Kennel Club title will be FD or uh, HRCH FDH Georgie Hunting Retriever Champion FDH Georgie. And so <laughs> I'm so excited about that. That was been my goal since I started. That was my goal is to get her this title and to prove to myself. And Chris, because we, you know, we have this partnership um, that he gave me this dog and I wouldn't screw up. I would do a, I would do a quality job in representing his dogs and an HRCH title. Certainly in my books is that. So, so excited to go up there one out of two days. And I'm, I'm hoping that she finishes off on Saturday to say that she got all of that done without a single um, disqualification on any of these events and without me having to even handle her on a single mark would just be incredible. It would just be remarkable. So really, really excited about that. So we're going to go ahead and take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to do comment of the week and then it will be episode nine of Woody's top five. We'll take a quick break and be right back. Tonight we
Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why MidwayUSA offers super-fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. At MidwayUSA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. All right, welcome back. Thank you for hanging on through the break. And coming back, we have left comment of the week and also Woody's top five. So let's go ahead and jump into the comment of the week. It's time for comment of the week. This comment comes off Instagram and it comes from Dylan Hobbs. And actually, um, we've been talking on and off and he's asked a multitude of questions um, uh, he says he's a fairly new waterfowler and this was a little bit long, so I may paraphrase for it, but Dylan says one hunt that he remembers from last year, it was the end of the season. We were hunting a lake where the birds were coming off a refuge and flying over the water level was down and the guys that I went with wanted to use a panel blind. So we set up maybe 15 yards from the water, had a dozen decoys out and I think a spinner, the birds were really stale and we didn't call hardly any but they would circle and go out and land in the middle of the lake. I thought it was partially the blind and partially the ducks just didn't want anything to do with anything. Any birds that landed somewhat close stuck together in small groups, and if more would come to land, they would land out away from them and swim in. Have you ever experienced anything similar, and what was your game plan? I think a layout or sneak boat on the water would have maybe helped, but I'm not sure. So I have had several instances similar to this, and I know of lots of instances like this. So in my mind, he said the lake was low. I'm imagining they're setting up panel blinds kind of on bare ground with nothing behind them. And they had problems getting the birds to finish, getting the birds to work. Those kind of situations are the hardest kind of situations you can encounter in my experience when it comes to decoying birds especially mallards because you've got just mud flats essentially and and nothing behind you and I, he didn't say how many guys that he has but i will say a panel blind in that situation is just typically speaking not going to work because with that panel blind the only place you're going to have covered is directly in front of you so if you have divers that are coming straight in, that'll work. If you have teal that are coming in straight, that'll work. But you have any kind of birds that with any kind of altitude, and he even said in there they would circle, it's just absolutely not going to work, especially late season weary birds, stale birds. And so he wants to know what's the best way to attack that. I don't think layout boats or sneak boats in the water is the way to go about it because you're still going to have the issue of, looking out of place 
people who get layout boats tend to think that they will work without vegetation around. And, and I, I'm not going to say they never will because every situation is different. But generally speaking, a layout boat, sneak boat, whatever, even fully brushed by itself in the water is just not going to work. It, it's just the, the mallards will get. Now, if you have it brushed, just an immaculate job of brushing where you have so much, let's say, tumbleweed all around you and, and you know, I'll, I'll never say never, but it's very, very difficult, especially with a multitude of guys. Maybe one guy. But with a multitude of guys to get that to work, where let's say you have two, three, four layout boats and on just a bare shoreline, it's just not going to be overly productive, generally speaking, in, in the scenario that he laid out. So I would say a couple things. Now, if this is late season and you have ice, because I actually, the last duck hunt of season seven, which I sent him this video on Instagram, we put a really, we brushed the crap out of the A-frame and put it on an ice shelf. And it was really, really, really brushed in. And we shot, um, I think, 12 birds, a mix of geese and mallards that day. And we we hunted sun up to sundown. And there was four of us. And then about midday, it just was Aiden and I. And so it mildly worked. I, I would tend to say that that's probably your best option. Now, if there's snow and ice on the ground, then I would be very curious to try an A-frame with a snow cover or lay out blinds with snow covers, which I'm going to get this year because I think I'm going to be hunting the river more during snow. And so I'm going to try to get my hands on a snow covering for the, the FA stand-up blind and to lay out blinds with snow covers both. Because if you've got ice and snow, I think that's probably your best bet. If not, then the A-frame just brushed, 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 brushed as much as possible. Wary birds are going to be wary birds, and it's, and it's very, very difficult. Now, if the bare ground he's talking about was just mud flats, then you can, you could try just a layout blind with no brushing, a brown layout blind with no brushing, which we have done that before on the river on sandbars and whatnot, and had some success with that. But it's a tough situation. I, I absolutely don't think panel blinds is the way to go because you just don't have enough coverage. I mean, a, a, a one-sided panel. When I think panel blind, I think of a one-sided, just panels in front of you, nothing behind you, nothing over top. And, and so I would assume that's probably why he was unable to get that to work. Um, Something that not many people do that we have done is also if you have three guys and it's just not working, then um, try one guy hiding and two guy back in the two guys back in the trees, and then when that guy gets a shot, then you switch in switch out. It's more productive to trade off and on and and watch and have one guy shooting and then switching out than having three guys up there and and just never getting quality shots. We've done that a lot. It's actually way more fun than you think it is because when you're watching your buddy up there shooting and, and let's say there's two of you back in the trees and you're watching the one guy out there do it, it it's way more fun than it thinks because you just jack around and joke around. If they miss shots, you know, you're giving them a hard time. And and so it's a lot. it actually is a lot of fun to do it that way. So that would be my suggestion. 
Um, I appreciate the question on Instagram. And guys, if you have any questions or comments about anything, hit me up on Instagram at Freelance Duck Hunting. Message me, email me. I love getting those. And you never know, it might pop up here on um, the podcast. So that has been the comment of the week. All right. So now let's go ahead. What everyone's been waiting for. Let's jump into another episode of Woody's Top 5. All right, boys, let's get this wrapped up so we can get back to hunting. It's Woody's Top 5 Countdown. All right, everybody, it's that time again where we're going to have our good old buddy Woody on and see what he's got for us today. Woody, what are you doing today, my man? Well, I've been on the lawnmower most of the day today, and uh, judging by the uh, the carnage left behind, it must be frog breeding season. Because I tell you what, I I splattered frogs my, in your front yard. Oh, we got well or down around the pond and stuff. There's okay. bullfrogs hopping around everywhere, and I just chopped them all to pieces. I didn't mean to, but it just kind of <laughs> turned out that. Y'all ever eat frog legs out there? Uh, I have one time I did, I didn't really care for the texture. I'm a little bit too, I've got this thing about like squishy, like shrimp and lots like squishy meat and it's a little too, I didn't care for the texture. Yeah, man, I kind of figured you for a pansy, but that's, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding with you. Listen, me and me and old Lim one year, we, uh, we decided this is, uh, we was probably in our twenties back then. We decided we was going to go frog gigging cause we'd always heard people talk about doing it. And I <laughs> always said, I, there's a lot of things I'd eat if I was hungry enough and poor enough, but I wasn't ever hungry enough and poor enough to eat frogs. But we tried it one time. We went out and gigged us up a whole big basket full of frogs and brought them in. And they wasn't much left of them the time we got done trying to skin them because we just pulled them all to pieces. But we finally got enough of them. And I, I learned this later on. I didn't know this at the time. You're only supposed to eat the back legs. <laughs> but right. we we yeah. skinned them off and took the guts out of them, tried to eat them like squirrels. But um, Lim Lim was always kind of jumpy about things like this. Anyhow, he's had a, he's had a few bad experiences with frogs over the years, <laughs> and so we got us a hot skillet of, of bacon grease frying there, and we's gonna throw them in and fry them up. And, well, evidently, this was neither of us understood this at the time. If you throw a freshly cleaned frog into a hot skillet of grease, it'll start jumping just like it was still alive. And first one old limb threw in the skillet, jumped right back out on him. Elliot, he ran. I, there it is, mama. We was at his mama's house at the time, because uh, my, I guess I must have been in my late twenties, because me and Miss Larnetta was married, because she told me I better not bring them things in the house, and so she wouldn't even let me cook them at our house. Anyhow. Oh, Lim's mama had a screen door there on the back of the kitchen, went out in the backyard. It scared Lim so bad he ran straight through the screen door and <laughs> fell off the porch. Knocked, I forget which tooth it was now. One of the time, I don't know, he ain't got many of them left anymore. Anyway, knocked one of his teeth out when he fell down on the sidewalk there. I, well, I ended up trying to fry them frog legs and I'd throw them in a skillet and they'd hop right back out. So we finally did the best we could with them, but. They like you said, they's kind of rubbery and chewy, and we yeah. decided to, decided to give them to the dog, and they wouldn't even eat them. So, 
I ain't never gone back. Some people really love them. I, I do love squirrel. Squirrel is delicious. But I, uh, frog, yeah. I still, every time I hit one with a lawnmower like that, I think of them running through that screen door. Anyhow, number <laughs> one on a, this is the top five things that Midwestern, and when I say Midwestern, I'm kind of talking about on out there where y'all are at, uh, on the west side of the Mississippi River, top five things that Midwestern hunters evidently don't like. So, number one is, no, I'm sorry, I got to do the other side here. About said that wrong. Number, let's start with number five. Number five is permanent duck blinds. Now, where we're from down here, we build us up a nice big duck blind. The bigger, the better. The more fellas you can fit in there, the better. And if you can put a big screen TV and a flushable toilet in it, then then you're really talking. I don't know what y'all out there have against it, but all I ever see you guys doing is sitting around on the pond bank, covering up with a bunch of smart weed and hiding in your little kayaks with your stretchy pants on. So, oh, maybe you can explain that to me at some point. But uh, now me and me and Lim did have us a big old duck blind one time. Man, we really worked on it hard. But Lim knocked the heater over while I was putting decoys out because there was some mice in his waders. And he'd see he left his waders hanging in the duck blind overnight because he didn't want to carry them all the way back to the truck. And so he thought he had a thought he had a cotton mouth in his waders. Anyhow, he went stumbling out of the blind, knocked the heater over and burned the whole darn thing down. Oh, man. Right. You're going to have to suck the poison out. There's a, there's a cotton mouth. He thought he was getting bit by cotton mouth. It was just a family of scared mice. Anyhow. Number number four. Number four is wood ducks. Y'all act like wood ducks are shovelers or something. <laughs> now I wouldn't shoot a spoonbill shoveler if it was the last duck left and I was the last hunter on earth. I'd let it go just to die in peace. Y'all treat wood ducks like they're some sort of trash duck too. I see the <laughs> Midwestern hunters, oh, I ain't gonna shoot them wood duck. Anyhow, that's like we grew up. That's all the kind of ducks we had. A lot of times was wood ducks until yeah. till November, December. That's all we had. Yeah. Boy, they got see, see right there. See, you did, I tell <laughs> by the sound of your voice, you'd rather shoot a you'd rather shoot a blue wing teal than a than a wood duck. Uh, yeah. See, well, see, well. I I knew it. I knew good and well. You all right? You love blue wings. Yeah. See, that takes you right into number three then. Number three is pintail limits. Every time I look on some duck hunting forum, there's somebody from the Midwest arguing that y'all ought to be able to shoot more pintails because you just can't kill enough. You can't shooting one every time you go out ain't enough for you. You want to shoot more. I told you on that podcast with old Titus the other day, I've only ever shot two pintails in my whole life and I've never really got a good hold of either one of them because one blew off across the lake and the dog chewed the other one up. So, I feel like y'all are a little bit spoiled on your pintails, even though you can't shoot them like they can out there in, in uh, California. You're still kind of spoiled on pintails and always looking for a, a way to shoot more. And, and now, is that Kansas or Nebraska that changed the law on them recently? On pintails? Yeah, I thought that uh, thought one of y'all, didn't you come up with some kind of rule where you could shoot more oh, of them? Oh, right, yeah. Mm-hmm. Nebraska made it so you can choose to shoot three ducks of any type. So you could shoot three mm -hmm. pintails and and uh, on a on a hunt if you chose. See, right. that's exactly what I'm talking about. 
some of us never see one our entire hunting career and y'all are out there trying to figure out how can i shoot a few more how can i shoot a few more anyhow wonderful bird i'm just kidding i hope you get to shoot plenty of them number two is pump shotguns now where i'm from if you don't shoot a remington 870 or a winchester 1300 or a mossberg 835 pump shotgun people start to question what's wrong with you they start thinking maybe you batting for the other team or something <laughs> i watch them videos of y'all out there in the midwest every single one of you's got some kind of semi-automatic hyper-loaded inertia-driven gas pumping shotgun of some sort that does all the work for you all you got to do is just show up now, i don't understand that maybe y'all just got a lot more money out there than we do or something they're, they're nice nice guns mm-hmm. yeah I don't, anyhow and number one is Number one is shooting singles. What is it with y'all out there with your flock shooting? Every video I watch out of the Midwest someplace, you get 20, 30 ducks come in and somebody yells, Take them, boys! Y'all stand up, start shooting. It sounds like the a memorial service at the National Cemetery or something. When y'all, What do y'all got against just picking out one duck and shooting it, making sure you make a good shot, and then that way everybody knows who shot what? I, I just, I don't know. Maybe I just grew up different, but I don't quite understand all that. Yeah, that's what I thought. You ain't got nothing to say about it. You ain't <laughs> I got, got nothing, nothing to say ain't about defend that. yourself. No, I'm just kidding with you, Elliot. I know you ain't into that, but they, some of them fellas out there, and I ain't going to name no names, and I ain't going to post no uh, websites or nothing, but they, some of them out there, you know exactly who I'm talking about. kind of drives me crazy watching it when they just... They unload 30 or 40 shots into a flock of mallards, and, and when some of them fall, they all hoop and holler and celebrate like they really done something. You're just trying to poke it. I, I know what your game is tonight, Woody. I'm not falling into your traps. No, I ain't trying to get you to name no names either, but I do appreciate the fact that that's, that's one thing. That, that's why I got turned on to watching your channel years ago because I watched how y'all hunted, and I thought, now them, them boys right there, they know what they're doing. So I appreciate I, I do appreciate it. And I bet you there's very few times when there's very few times when you're hunting that you don't know who shot which duck. Yeah, we we yeah. yeah. Well, legally you have to know and you've got to keep them yeah. separated. And, that's exactly and right. That's what I've I've never understood that about group hunting where you people don't know who shot what. It's like yeah. I, I want to know I want to know which ones I shot. Yes, sir. And so, uh, yeah, after every pass, like who shot what, who's going to take that one? I, I That's the way we've always done it. I know I've done a few of them group hunts over the years. I don't prefer to do it that way, but I've gone with, got a special invite here or there. They all stand up, start shooting. There's a lot of times I don't even pull the trigger because I know I, everything you aim at starts to fold up or fall or take off flying or something. I, I just... I yeah, don't prefer that's the thing that, that bothers me. It's like if you were to just intentionally miss every shot on hunts like that, the whole group would still come up with a limit. And you know, you wouldn't have shot anything. And oh, it's yeah. just, it's not, it's yeah, not legal. No, but, it's not, it's not a legal way to do it. No. And it's not a fun way to do it. And yeah. if I, I'll tell you this for sure now, and I ain't trying to poke at nobody and trying to name no names again, but if I went out there and paid somebody to take me hunting and then that kind of business went on and I knew that I hadn't shot my limit, but we left the field and everybody had a full strap, I would definitely not be happy with that. But yeah, that's just well, my I opinion. Guy, 
I, I know a guy, and you you know you would know who I'm talking about. And he and a friend went on. They they were guests on a hunt, and they went. Um, the exact same thing happened. People were just they got into killing a certain type of duck, and and these guys were just slaughtering them and just shooting into their limit like crazy. And and yeah, they came away very very unhappy about that situation. No, sir, I ain't in, I ain't interested in that. But anyway, that's your that's your top five. Thing. Again, all just in good fun, kind of like with Titus the other day. It's just all good fun. Nothing personal about it necessarily. Not named at you, anyhow. <laughs> yeah, right, right. right. Yeah, you can, you can poke all the fun you want. You can have at it. I <laughs> Let me have it. All right, well, there you right. go. There's your top five. All right, well, thank you so much. Until next time, this has been another episode of Woody's Top 5. Well, there you have it. That's all I have for you guys today. Hey, it is getting late, guys. It's towards the end of July. The Hunt Giveaway is coming up August 31st, YouTube live stream. And, the, and, and if you want to get involved in the Hunt Giveaway for a chance to come and hunt here with me, patreon.com slash freelance duck hunting. Go over there. I've got a video there waiting for you to give you a little more descriptions on, description on how it works. Go and get signed up. You get signed up, you will have a free access to the North American Waterfowler app and journaling system. You'll have free access to all of the extra content I've been putting there since about 2016. It's a long time. There's a lot of content over there that, that people that haven't been there just have never seen. And you'll be entered in the chance to come and join me here on the podcast. Plus, there is a Waterfowler 101 course over there with seven really strong videos that Jordan and I made. So go and check that out. Patreon.com slash all right, I am going to leave you guys with a little more Tom Petty as we roll on out of here. It is coming soon, guys. Hunting season will be here before you know it. Thank you again for being here. You have listened to another episode of the North American Waterfowl Podcast. I felt so good, like anything was possible. Hit cruise control and rub my Last three days, and the rain was unstoppable. It was always cold, no sunshine. Yeah, I ran down a dream that never would come to me. Working on a mystery, going wherever it leads. Running down a dream. Through the Blackwater bayous and in the dark Louisiana night, floats a duck camp, alive with the sounds of swamp pop and the smells of Cajun cooking. From the Mississippi Delta in Venice to the Cajun prairies of the Southwest, me and the Duck Camp Dinners crew will be hunting and eating it all. This is Duck Camp Dinner. Join me, Chef Jean-Paul Bourgeois, and the whole crew every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV.